Support for this podcast comes from Arzell HVAC Zoning Technology. Arzell has been producing innovative zoning systems for over 35 years. We manufacture the highest quality HVAC zoning equipment from our factory in Cleveland, Ohio. Innovation, customer service, and outstanding products backed by a lifetime warranty are why so many contractors use only Arzell Zoning. We offer easy-to-install solutions from a basic two-zone system all the way up to the most difficult zoning applications. For more information, go to arzellzoning.com or contact Annette Justice at annette at arzellzoning.com. To Your Success. To Your Success is the number one gifting service for home services companies. You care about customers and want to grow your business through strong relationships. You want to express appreciation with something delightful and unexpected, but you need a process that's effortless for you while feeling incredibly relational to your customers. There is an answer and it's pretty sweet. To Your Success provides a handcrafted thank you gift of delicious freshly baked cookies with a custom thank you card that's drop shipped to your customer's door, creating a relationship building moment that cultivates loyalty. Visit www.toyoursuccess.com today to learn more and schedule your live demo and receive a complimentary freshly baked cookie gift. Welcome to The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hello there, SGI family and other contractor friends. I'm so thankful you're here. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor Show are available on YouTube, as well as your podcast player of choice. Today's show is another SGI monthly member panel. These are interactive live programs where an SGI coach joins me and other SGI members to discuss a particular topic. This monthly member panel featured Lynn Tomasek of Brothers Plumbing, Heating, and Electric in Denver, Colorado, and Mickey Stone, an SGI coach who had previously run several large residential home service companies prior to coming to SGI just a little more than a year ago. Now, among the three of us, we discuss how to effectively manage your managers. This is a topic we hear often as S- at SGI because we have so many members who are rapidly growing and adding layers of their management team. Uh, managing managers is a different animal than managing technicians, salespeople, or, or call center folks, or administrative po- folks. Uh, this was an exceptional conversation and an insightful one. Lynn is an incredible op- operator of Brothers, uh, and Mickey has a great amount of experience running highly profitable home service businesses. This is a must-listen or must-watch for owners and GMs trying to get the very most out of their management teams. Uh, with that being said, here's my discussion with Lynn Thomasek and Mickey Stone as we discuss how to effectively manage your managers. I hope you enjoy it and take away another or two. Very excited that everyone's on uh, the call today. I just love every uh, opportunity to get to, to interact with you members. Uh, again, today our topic's managing our managers. Uh, we have... Uh, Unfortunately, one of our guests is not going to be able to make it. Uh, Stacy Feller was just notified uh, has a family emergency. I just found out about 10 minutes ago. Uh, so please keep them in your thoughts and prayers. But uh, uh, Stacy, of course, being Stacy, had written out all of her answers to all the questions we are going to we are going to go through today, and um, I'm going to share those. I think through our weekly blog slash email that you guys get on Wednesdays. I will find a way to to share that there so you don't miss out on her great insight. So she has plenty of it. Uh, but we are very excited to have uh, Lynn Tomasek of Brothers Plumbing, Heating, and Electric in Denver, Colorado. Bravo. Thank you, Lynn. Thank How are you. you doing? 
Good. Very good. Very good. Well, again, very excited that you're on. Great topic because I know there's so many of our members that are are growing and, and uh, doing exceptionally well and looking to add layers to their team. So they're not the uh, the only ones uh, making all the decisions. So, um, Lynn, just let us know. Let's just dive right into the questions a little bit. Um, let, just so everyone knows, yeah, you have three uh, three trades that you represent there at Brothers. What does your management team look like uh, all together? Who's responsible for keeping everything straight? Um, so we currently have just a pretty much a single layer of management. Um, we've got an operations manager for each of our three trades, a plumbing manager, electrical, HVAC. Um, my brother who holds our master plumbing masters is also in the operations department and supports them since our plumbing manager is non-technical. So they can buddy up and pair to um, balance that out and what is needed. Uh, we have a warehouse manager. Um, I've got a manager for my customer service dispatch team. Um, I have a, somebody in charge of HR and then marketing um, and then my accounting manager, which actually is my sister, part owner as well. That's great. Very good. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know Mickey, Mickey came to us, I guess, about a year ago, right, Mickey? Has it been that? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but before that, her, her previous life, she was a member for, I think, over 10 years, uh, helped build a home services business from basically nothing in residential to around $10 million, I think, and very profitable by the time uh, you you came over to us. Um, so we'll, we'll, you definitely have lots to share. So Mickey, when you uh, when you were with uh, your previous employer, what did your management team look like? I know you were the general manager, but how about the next level? Yeah. So, you know, in my prior experience, I was a part of, you know, different companies. And some, as you said, Bob, were literally me and the owners where we started. <laughs> and um, I've been with organizations, you know, over 100 employees. So specifically, my last uh, multi-trade company, we did HVAC plumbing and electrical. And so the management structure was the owner and myself as the vice president. And then I had um, a manager for each trade. So I had an HVAC service manager, a plumbing service manager, an electric service manager. Uh, I also had a sales manager. And then I had a client care manager who oversaw the call center and dispatch, mm -hmm. an administrative manager who oversaw anything administrative, <laughs> <Books> <laughs> permits, all that kind of stuff. All that other uh, stuff, yeah. Um, and then a human resources manager. <laughs> That's great, very good, very good. Thank you for the background. Uh, Lynn, I'm gonna jump over to you. Um, I know you and your siblings bought your dad out uh, when he was ready to retire and it was a very, very good business at the time. And I know you guys have taken it to another uh, stratosphere, um, but given where the business was when you, the three of you took over, you know, how, how did it change in terms of the management team? What, you know, what positions were added? Uh, how did you decide responsibilities? Uh, and then what of those positions kind of helped you guys scale to where you, where you are today? So kind of stepping even a little bit back, um, you know, as we grew, I, some people have several hats and I was one of those. So I, I did the HR, I did the marketing. And as we prepared for the transition in the business, I had to be able to find people for, uh, to fill those roles because they were, they were becoming full-time positions and no longer was it enough. So the first role that I kind of turned over was the um, HR, the marketing role, found somebody that fulfilled that and then HR um, came next. And as we were getting ready for my transition into GM and, and for us to uh, purchase the business, we found somebody to take that role on as well. Okay. Um, since we since that transition happened about six years ago, um, the, the positions really have stayed the same. We haven't added a lot of layers of leadership um, mm -hmm. to it. 
Uh, we've got some team leads that we've added, however, um, and we're right now at a point where we've got too many too many people. So we're getting ready to add that middle level level of management because there's just too many people, too many technicians under each right. Uh, department, right? So that's where we're looking. So more, it's been we've added positions and team leads to different departments uh, to help um, those out. And then the question regarding uh, scaling, one of those positions that we've added was an uh, in-house recruiter. Oh, so okay. Being able to add somebody, so we actually split that that HR role up a little bit, and that um, in-house recruiter, she's actually everything uh, retention and recruitment. So oh, very good. Um, culture and care, you know, so basically anything, party planning events, we do fun days today is actually uh, college day, we did uh, cookie Olympics um, during the Olympics, so she's in charge of doing those things, making sure that people are retained through the culture of the company, birthday cards, anniversary things, got babies, you know, all those types of things, and then recruitment as well. So she actually came from a recruitment place, um, you know, was a recruiter at a staffing agency prior to this, and so she's got a background. So we're out, not just waiting for people to answer ads, but sourcing to find people. So I would say that that's helped scale things yeah. uh, better in the last couple of years. I was going to say, have you noticed that the number of applicants that you're interviewing have, has exponentially increased since bringing on that position? Absolutely. We've been able to make um, better hires and more mm -hmm. hires and um, replace, you know, somebody, if somebody leaves or if we're looking to add to the team, we're able to do that more quickly and efficiently than what we used to do in the past mm -hmm. because it would take away tasks or somebody would be doing uh, the recruiting in between other priorities, you know, if it was HR, we've got, you know, other things that they're doing that <laughs> it didn't always fit into the day. And it's kind of the last minute I want to spend 20 minutes on it where they should be spending hours on it. Yeah. How do you, I've always been intrigued by people that bring on um, recruiters. How do you explain to them what you're looking for in a person? Because I know I'm sure you, you bring on plenty of green people and you hire if there's an experienced tech potentially that that would fit, but right, you want to make sure that person is a fit. So how do you communicate that to someone that's coming from outside the industry, outside of your business, what the culture is at Brothers to make sure those those candidates do fit what you're looking for? You know, for this individual, she she fits our culture very well. So she is somebody, you know, she she is our culture, right? So and because she's doing some of the things that are trying to we're trying to keep people, you know, here with the with the culture development and in the fun days, I think she gets a piece of that through through her job. Yep. Making sure she she shadowed the HR person um, through orientation. So she does a right. portion of the orientation that revolves around culture and really right. just in training. We spent a lot of time with her in the beginning, making sure that she was able to shadow in different departments to understand what each job entailed and and what you know what we were looking for. So a lot of communication, a lot of time spent with her. Um, you know, keeping her up to date on, you know, and educating her on our business. That's wonderful. Now, what you, you mentioned team leads, I, I think that's always something that intrigues uh, members when to bring on kind of that semi-middle level of management. So we'll talk about that position. Uh, how many technicians does that team lead assist? Uh, when did you decide was the right time? Like, you know what, we really need some help in the field. And, and we need so our teams are not yet in the technical. Um, so we, we're not, that's one of the, the positions that we're exploring now. And I don't know that we'll go team leads for that. The team leads that we currently have are actually internal. So we have a team oh, okay. lead for our warehouse team. Uh, we okay. have a team lead for our customer service dispatch team. So they're okay. assisting training and they're assisting in some of the other um, elements of that job and, and, keeping people on task or you know answering questions those types of things 
Um, because even though we have one manager for each of our um, trades, because we had the fourth person with my brother in that, that department, we really are kind of a four, you know, 10 to one ratio for the managers, even okay. though not necessarily direct reports, but we're yeah. starting to get past that, which is where we need to add that middle level. Um, yeah. Actually, I had a call on Monday. We had a, a, a separate call um, that kind of stemmed off our tech group. And we, we talked exactly about that, about adding that middle level of management compensation and what that looks like and some, got some feedback from other people. Yeah. Do you have an ETA on that or are you still just collecting information and kind of trying to think it through? No, we're actually, we, we should have somebody in here in the middle of September. Um, oh, that's so exciting. Somebody identified and uh, it's just kind of ironing out some of those details and putting together, you know, some of the job description of what that person's going to be doing, what their, mm -hmm. what their time's going to look like. And yeah. the for that. Is that is that internal or an external hire? It'll be an internal hire for this internal one. Um, yeah. Yep. So we'll see. I mean, there's always challenges, you know, with internal hires. There's some, <laughs> some good things with that, and always some challenges that come with it. Sure. So there's a technical aptitude along with understanding the culture and the communication end of it as well. Correct. Yes. That's great. That's wonderful. All right. Thank you, Lynn. I peppered you with a few there at the first one. So sorry about that. <laughs> Lots of good stuff to follow up on. All right, Mickey, well, kind of same question to you. Again, you got you kind of started with your, at least the last employer from pretty much the ground up, and you guys put the, the building blocks together. So what positions as you grew kind of freed up your time to focus on growing the business, and then um, what positions really helped you scale the fastest? Um, you know, I think the biggest positions that freed up my time and really allowed me to work on the company versus in the company were the ones that took direct reports away from me. Um, right. So, for example, service managers came first because, of course, we always have more technicians than we do office teams, right? Sure. So having a service manager come in helped remove those direct reports for me. And then the second one would be the call center manager, as again, that was the, the largest department and the most um, team members under it. And on some level, those positions were the ones that helped us scale because mm -hmm. they helped shoulder that burden. And again, I didn't have to be involved in every little thing. I didn't have to be involved in every discussion. I didn't have to track everything because I had managers who could do that for me, which then allowed right. me to focus on uh, the bigger picture items that we needed to scale. Right, right, very good. Um, maybe this will, this kind of, we're gonna get into that maybe in a later question, but I feel the need to ask now. So when you brought or elevated managers at that point, were they internal people or were they people from outside the industry that, uh, at least initially, right? What, sure. what, what do those people look like? Um, you know, I would love to say <laughs> that uh, <laughs> we hired all our managers from internally and it all worked fabulously. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that was not, uh, sure. <laughs> that was not what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, what we learned, what I, what I learned is just because someone is an amazing technician or an amazing call taker, or even maybe they're a, a great coworker who everyone loves, right. that doesn't mean they're going to be a good manager. And right. so when I was hiring for manager positions, I absolutely, you know, posted internally because you never know, but usually they went to outside candidates. Mm -hmm. um, now to go back to your question is, you, you know, you had said, well, what about in the beginning? Absolutely. In the beginning, um, we would try to bring up from within, but that's where those lessons were learned that, sure. hey, just because this, this person is an excellent technician, they're not a good manager. Just because this person is really uh, personable and, and everyone likes them doesn't make them a good manager so that was no. kind of one of those learning curves that, that yeah. i had to learn <laughs> no yeah and i think i think most people do most people do i think you know 
uh, there's a difference between leaders in your business and managers in your business. I, I know there's leaders in, in both your businesses that are probably technicians that, that don't have anyone report to them, but people look to them and respect them because of the voice and what they do. And I think at every level you see that, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the type to be managing people. So it's, it's, a, it's a big uh, bullet I've heard from lots of members over the years. Uh, real quick aside, ladies, sorry, because I I'm, I'm always forget to mention this. Everyone that's watching, uh, if you want to ask questions, I believe you can do so. There's a little box for you to type them into. About When we have about 10 minutes left in the hour, I will go ahead and look at those. So if, if something hits you, please uh, write that as, um, as you think of it. So sorry I didn't mention that earlier. So um, all right, that being said, uh, Lynn, I'm going to throw it back over to you. What are uh, what are some of the qualities of your best managers and uh, also uh, where your best managers come from? Again, internally, externally, kind of what Vicki and I were talking about. We have a little bit of both. Um, so our um, we've got a couple of managers that, that came up through um, the business. Some of them had previously owned previous businesses. So oh, interesting. starting here, they may have started as a technician, but they closed down their business for one reason or another and uh, or were managers of other businesses but then started yeah. as a technician and then you know moved into a manager role shortly after so that's the um our electrical manager currently has that background um he did yeah. he run some service calls for about three months um to fully understand what those technicians went through right. our ABC manager was the same way um and he's been with us for almost 20 years and that's how he had his start so those guys moved their way um, you know, yes, they were internal candidates, but they had a good background um, previous to that. Um, my my plumbing manager has an interesting background because he actually started with me as my marketing guy. So he was the guy that took over marketing for me. <laughs> okay. And yeah, kind of unique. So when we yeah. hired for that role, we posted it internally, like Mickey said, and yep. externally. We, we interviewed some external candidates, but I encouraged this guy to um, to apply for the position because I could see the, so getting into your question about the, you know, the traits that we're looking for, he was yeah. a compliment to some of the other, my brother who's more on the technical side and not right. as reasonable when it came to relationship building with the, with the technicians. But um, my plumbing manager had those qualities. So very personable, um, and not not in a way that was just like, hey, I'm going to be your buddy, but in a way that he was able to talk to and relate to the technicians. Um, but he was also he's also able to hold those people accountable, um, had good organizational skills, and so he was he had some good you know ideas, um, and he really just compliments and was a compliment to our our leadership team in in the operations department. So. Um, we, you know, in identifying other leaders, there are people that, you know, like you said, people look up to um, that exhibit some of those skills. And then now we're using culture index. And oh, just, great. So I don't have a lot of background and information on that. But prior to that, we we're looking at DISC. And um, we'll, yeah. we're kind of in the starting stages of culture index, which help us and will continue to help us identify those managers. So that middle management position that I was talking about. Um, you know, they've, that person's um, that we've identified has taken the, the culture index, and so we know what we're getting into prior to, you know, yeah. in other ways as well, according to the testing. Did has everyone in the company taken their their culture index uh, test, and they see where they're at? So we're uh, got a few straggling, and then we've got our training in the in the next week or so. Okay. I think it's week or the week after. And um, we have used it already, though, to identify some different candidates. We just made a job offer to a CCR yesterday, and Great. Um, 
she could potentially be a good uh, leader in that department as well based off of that and um, is a really great fit for either dispatch or ccr so we're excited that's really that. exciting yeah i've heard nothing but great things about it i know there's it's a it's an investment but uh everyone when, you a, when you get a report that comes back and says that somebody moves 84 percent slower than the rest of the population um for a dispatch position th those are applicants that are very easily uh easy to maybe not bring in and and yeah it's very helpful wow. <laughs> for sure for sure i'm interested because i i i um, i'm on a bunch of different facebook groups that in the in the industry and and you know obviously we have our internal facebook pages and, I, and i've seen more than a few people go you know uh a guy who owned his own business is applied for a technician job or a manager job and i'm just really apprehensive i'm afraid he's going to come in and wants to learn our secret sauce and then go do his own thing again so when you've hired people like that what you know was there a concern or are you just not worried about it at the stage you are in the business or you know is there any second thought at all at that point i think it just depends on you know i think every situation is unique and what were the reasons that they shut down the business um we've got several one including uh, a, a guy that's working for us now a plumber we ended up buying his customer list and marketing to them and he was just it was too much he wasn't making a living at it he was you know he was working to to live every day and and yeah. wasn't enjoying it wasn't making a good living at it at that so right. um it was you know he was good at the technical portion of it and he recognized that he wasn't good at the business portion of it and he makes more money working for us than having the stress and the you know all the time away from his family trying to do it himself so i think you have to look at each individual situation and and really kind of flesh out the reasons they're looking to um you know to come on board with your company and what's kind of happened in the past sure sure good answer interesting uh mickey let's uh let's toss it to you we talked about the internal versus external thing a little bit but what you know over your years of of managing people and managing managers what are the qualities of, of some of your very best managers is there any kind of consistent themes that you saw in those types of individuals um you know at, at sgi we talk about people being um hungry humble and smart and yeah. i would say that held true with my best managers as well. You know, if I had a, a manager who was hungry and enterprising, but if they weren't humble, if, if they couldn't take direction, um, they thought they had nothing to learn, that's a problem, right? Yeah. And similarly, if I maybe had someone that was almost too hum humble, right? They, they couldn't make a decision. They struggled with tough conversations. That was a problem too. So yeah. my best managers had that balance of hungry, humble, and smart. And as Lynn talked about, you know, we, our company was all about the DISC profiles. And we really focused on our management team, actually our whole team, um, to try to make sure that we had a balanced team of balanced. all the different levels. Because of course, mm -hmm. if all my managers are, are driven and go, 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 that's great. But nobody's on the back end making sure the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and actually flushing <laughs> out you know, these processes. Right. At the same point, if everybody's really, really conscientious and dialed in on all the T's and the I's, I have nobody driving the vision forward and to get grow. stuck in the quagmire, right? Sure. Uh, so that was the other thing that was really important to us. And each position had a little bit different thing that was required. So for example, uh, my human resources, it was important to us that that was a very conscientious person. You know, that was somebody who was all about crossing the T's and dotting the I's because they're dealing with legal stuff, right? And they right. need to know that. Um, whereas, for example, a, a recruiter that we hired, we wanted them to be a high D or a, or a high I, meaning very outgoing and bubbly oh, and sales driven. Um, so every every manager varied a little bit, but that the, the humble, hungry, and smart uh, really applied blanket to all of them. 
that's interesting. What what about S's? What about our poor S's? Do we just just kind of we're left in the cold? I mean, I'm SI, so. Oh, the S's. Yeah. <laughs> so here's what I will say. Everyone, never, we just want everyone to get along. We just want everyone to get along. I never disqualified an S for manager because an S. And, and S's again, those people that they are the cheerleaders, they are the team builders, they are all about everyone getting along. Yeah. Um, I will say the S managers I had uh, required more management from me because sure. we did have to, they did have to learn how to have those difficult conversations with people. Um, they did have to learn how to be firm at certain times. And at the same point, they were also great managers because they were all about the teams. Yep. You know, our, our management team might be talking about doing something and we're going full blast and all of a sudden the S is like, well, wait, how are, how, what about this? What about the team? How is it going to affect the team? So right. it was great to have that, um, that feedback, that voice sure. in there as well. So the no, S's aren't good. quite. Hey, I just don't want us to be left in the cold. Well, you know, we're employable. I'm, I promise. So. <laughs> You absolutely uh, are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were tremendous, you know, customer service reps, customer service oh, yeah. leads, sure. um, you know, technicians who would take care of the upset clients. Oh my gosh, they were fantastic. So yeah, no, that's fun. I, I'm just, I, I love just our teasing. As well. <laughs> that's all right. You don't need a backpedal anymore. That's all right, Mickey. I feel loved. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's talk training a little bit. Lynn, you know, you talked about bringing someone in that really had no experience. So uh, in, in the industry, what does that look like onboarding? You know, you go, boy, that person's sharp and they, they meet all these soft skills and, and, and I think they'll be great, but they don't know, you know, anything technically. So what is, what does it onboarding look like for a manager in, in that kind of uh, a position? Uh, for that person particularly been with me for about a year um, and he'd been doing our marketing. So he knew our culture, he knew uh, people, he knew our team. Right. Um, he so on the technical portion again you know when mickey's talking about the disc and different things and as well as the technical we had some balance there right so we were able to offset that i don't know that a non-technical manager works in all situations right. um, for us it was able to work because we had my brother we have my brother um to you know handle the technical portions and and now that he's been in this, the manager's been in this position for five years, he's picked up enough knowledge and um, to do what he's needed to do. But yeah. the onboarding for that, he spent a lot of time, he knew one of his challenges was going to be overcoming uh, um, and getting the respect of the team, especially right. the guys. So that was his first, um, you know, his first um, objective was to get out there. He did ride alongs with these guys. He That's got great. to on a personal level and, yeah. Um, you know, got their buy-in to his, um, to his, to him being in the position, so that he knew that he had them in his corner, so that when the other guys might, you know, have some questions or, you know, maybe voice some concern or, you know, some hesitancy about the about the change, then he had some other people rallying for him as well. Yep. Um, and he was able to direct them. So if it was a question where, you know, um, we weren't able to internally answer it, maybe Justin was off, you know, the um, technical guy, maybe he could um, divert the questions on the technical basis back to the lead guys or the, they're not leads or identified that way, but, you know, these other leaders in the and, and seniority guys in the field with that technical knowledge. So yep. he really spent a lot of time, he had to utilize the skill set and he was very good at figuring out how to, uh, again, you know, have that respect and in, in, in admit when he didn't know, but get them the answers in a different way, in a more creative way, and still get their job done. So that's um, how we hand, how his particular onboarding process looks. Right. 
Right. So what do you, and now what do you guys do for ongoing training for your management team? I know you've got people that have been 20 years, you know, how do you, how do you offer training to someone that's been in a position like that and, and knows it so well? What, what do you guys do? Training in general for our managers? Yeah, just in general. Yeah, so um, we have, um, I have a, a business coach that um, each of my managers have, has gone through. So um, it's typically a six-month process. Um, they do one-on-one coaching. So I meet with the coach and that individual at the very first meeting. We identify um, some things that we'd like for them to work on. Uh, they meet with the coach for an hour a month and have access to her um, in between, you know, as needed. Um, and we work on some of those things and then we wrap up their, their session with uh, basically the three of us coming back together, uh, regrouping, going over, you know, the changes and, and things, um, you know, that we've seen and the improvements that we've seen over time. So we're able to say, hey, this person maybe needs to work on these, these following things. Um, but they're also able to bring in their own concerns during that time period as well and challenges that they're having. And yeah have access to her to, to bring in tools to resolve those. So it's not, they're just not hearing it internally. Internally, we do some training and in, um, in our leadership meetings and also one-on-one. So we have a newer manager for uh, just the last year and um, there's the managers work with him, you know, on a one-on-one basis or I'll work with them just depending on what the topic is and, and continually, you know, honing in the skills and the, um, the procedures and things that we're looking to, you know, so he's um, again following our culture and the things that we do here. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, Mickey, same question to you. What did onboarding look like uh, for your managers? I'm sure it probably changed as you guys grew from small to large. Um, so what did that look like then? And then what did, uh, as, a, as an additional question, what did the ongoing training look like as well? Sure. So the onboarding for managers was really very specialized to their background and what their position is. So like a service manager, their onboarding would largely be different than a customer service manager, right? But that being said, um, we have technician and CCR uh, onboarding materials on the hub. And we would start with that because it does a great job of explaining what our company is about, why we do what we do. Um, And that onboarding actually happened with with any team member that started with us. Mm Um, and then from there, we would work with them on KPIs, goals, what expectations are for them and their team. Um, that would be followed along just, just like with one that would be found by a lot of ride-alongs or sit-ins <laughs> um, if it was an yeah. office role. And we would debrief at the end of every day. And, and that debrief included not just what they saw, but questions they had and also talking about, okay, well, here's what you should be looking at as a manager. Here's what I want you to be listening for. Here's what I want you to be um, observing. And then obviously alongside that, we had software training, um, you know, just like we would a tech or a CSCR. And we did that because we not only needed them to be familiar with the software, yeah. but they needed to understand what their team does day to day. And then when it became time to dive a little deeper, they would meet individually with each of their team members, take them out to coffee or take them out to lunch and really talk about you know, them as a person, what they like, what they don't like, that kind of a mm-hmm. thing. And then, um, as far as ongoing training, so we had, um, well, we had a bunch of different manager meetings, but once a month, one of the manager meetings was dedicated to training. And it might be uh, talking about a book that we're reading as a team. Um, it might be watching a video on the hub, uh, doing a training kit from the hub, that type of thing. Yep. Um, also, I had a book list of like, 
hundred different books that ranged with everything from customer service to management to culture, kind of, you name the topic, I probably had a couple books on the yeah. list. Yeah. Um, and then we would also have different classes available through all kinds of different um, you know, outside organizations. And so my intent for my managers and really all my employees, but particularly my managers is that every quarter at a minimum, they were focusing on something to improve um, about themselves. That's great. That's awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Mickey. Support for this podcast comes from Synchrony Financial. Allow homeowners to pay at a rate that fits their budget with a merchant fee that fits yours. Visit www.toolbox.mysynchrony.com for more information. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking with Lynn Tomasek of Brothers Plumbing, Heating, and Electric in Denver, Colorado, and Mickey Stone, an SGI coach. Uh, we're talking about how to effectively manage your managers. Uh, it's been a hugely insightful conversation, and it's only going to get better. Uh, in the second half, we're going to answer these questions. What does a typical meeting schedule look like with your management team? Uh, what type of compensation should managers receive? How do you manage struggling managers? What KPIs should managers be watching? And the benefits of hiring a recruiting manager and so much more. So let's jump back into my conversation with Lynn and Nikki. Let's talk about some management meetings. Lynn, um, you know, how often do you and, and your management team uh, get together right now? And I've got some follow-ups to that as well. Um, so I've made mistakes of trying to meet too often, and I've made mistakes of trying to meet too, not often enough. So it's trying to find the balance. So, um, you know, we've adjusted over the years. Currently, uh, we do a stand-up huddle every morning. Um, so we get together for 15 to 30 minutes. Each um, each manager for each department uh, debriefs. So we look at the, you know, the schedule and the, and the weather and how that impacts us and go down a rundown and all the debriefing of each department. Yeah. Um, so that's a daily. Uh, we do a leadership meeting uh, weekly um, as a group. So um, some of the things that Mickey talked about are some things that we've done in there. We've done TED Talks in there. So there's some training that's happening in those meetings. Right. Uh, we're, we're talking about a variety of you know, policy things. So that's um, weekly. And then I meet with the um, operations team every other week. Um, so we used to meet weekly on these uh, individual one-on-ones. And it just became too much. It felt like we were being meeting to death. And okay, yeah. we kind of backed that off a little bit and done, and are doing every other week. Um, and then I meet with each of the department leads every other week as well. So okay. you know, seems to be that balance that we needed. It's uh, off, and we're obviously communicating and talking in between. You know, again, right. we've got other meetings that are happening on a daily, um, and then you know, impromptu meetings that we may have just to be chatting about certain things or emails sure. or something along those lines. In those uh, stand-up morning meetings, are you talking, I'm sure there's certain KPIs that are potentially you're discussing. Are there three or four you guys just keep keep a constant pulse on to know, uh, you know, if some, something gets a little skew, it, it needs a immediate addressing? We're definitely talking about our DMER. So we're, um, we're for sure looking at, you know, where we're numbers, how we're tracking for the month. Uh, we also look at, you know, we're fairly new to Service Titan, but we're looking at sold estimates, making sure that, you know, what's been sold, what's been booked. Um, yeah. We're looking at um, some jobs that are in progress. And um, we look more at the KPIs, um, you know, some of the others, the average ticket. Um, you know, some of these are talked about in different meetings throughout the weeks as well, just yeah. depending on the department. But um, primarily, we're, we will kind of look if we're not tracking and kind of dive into some of those other things. We have some email reports that go out. Um, and then if, depending on if there's some big 
um, flags on there after reviewing them, that's when those ones get brought up during the, during the uh, daily huddle or the leadership meeting. Okay. And those bi-weekly meetings you're having with, um, or, you know, uh, with different team leaders, what are those, like, what's the itinerary on those? What is it KPI driven as well? Are there objectives that you're asking them to meet for their department? What's kind of the itinerary? Yeah, so KPIs. Um, so we're definitely looking at the different KPIs um, there once a month. You know, we'll look at the previous month really in detail. So we're looking at average ticket for the previous month. Um, but we're looking at some of those during the month as well, you know, callbacks. Uh, we track dollar per hour average. So that's one okay. of our KPIs that we look at. So it's revenue yep. divided by hours worked. Yep. And um, that's something that we use for some of our compensation. But um, and we have some, you know, metrics. Uh, and goals that we we look at so we we know if we're tracking you know to we're not being very efficient it's going to indicate whether our gross margin is going to be maybe just due to labor is going to be up or down um so that's that's some of the things that we talk about other things um we always are looking at personnel updates we all all want to be kind of abreast on what's going on with certain things so hr is there so if there's something that's related you know other managers um, need to know how is it impacting the schedule? So those are some conversations. We got new guys going into trucks. We have that information that's going out. Um, you know, with COVID, there's you know conversation revolving around that. So it's kind of as, as things come up that are needed and they get added to the agenda. Um, right. You know, as as we need to maybe make a a policy adjustment or we're talking about upcoming um, you know things that are upcoming that we need to prepare for as well. So. We're trying to do, we do a lot of working meetings, um, try to keep them to that hour time frame, but we do a lot of sure. working for upcoming meetings. Sure. Yeah. No, no three hour meetings. No one likes that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mickey, I'm going to toss that question over to you kind of a bit. Uh, what, what, how often did uh, your management team get together uh, with your previous employer and, you know, what, what were kind of the, what was discussed in those meetings? So uh, first we had our daily stand-up huddles and we actually did those um, in the afternoon because mornings were so crazy and chaotic for our teams. Right. We found that afternoon gave us the best chance to do that. Um, and we really had to work to hold ourselves accountable that, hey, this meeting starts at one and it ends at 1.15. Um, we finally started locking the door to the room. And so if the manager was late, they'd stand at the window panel, you know, we'd be like, no, you're not coming in. <laughs> um, so we had our daily huddles and everybody came with their reports ready to go. So we were able to get it done in 15 minutes. And um, basically the huddle lineup had eight things. First of all, um, our HR person brought birthdays and anniversaries that day. And then a couple managers would text those people, hey, happy birthday, happy anniversary. Um, so that was one and two. The third thing she would tell us is, is of any upcoming new hires and their start dates. Again, just so the whole management team knew, knew what was happening and if they saw any new faces, <laughs> who yeah. they were. Um, and then the fourth thing uh, we talked about as a management team was kudos. Hey, does anybody have any kudos from yesterday? Any kudos from the weekend? And then again, a couple managers would reach out to those people and be like, hey, thank you so much for picking up on call or hey, great job handling your difficult customer. And then from that, we moved into the DME numbers, our daily management numbers. And so we looked at um, sales compared to goal, we looked at, for all three trades, we looked at average ticket closing rate for their service calls. Um, yeah. And then on the HVAC side, we looked at equipment closing rates, lead turnover rates. Uh, we looked at club sales. And then on the customer service side, we would look at their closing rates and also our service call numbers to budget, i.e. is the schedule full. You know, right. we're supposed to have 50 calls on the board. Do we have 50? Do we have 70? Do we have 30? That yeah. kind of a thing. 
Um, the sixth thing we would look at is weather forecast. We are in Minnesota and we're right on the jet stream, which means yeah. if the jet stream goes up, we get the warm weather from the south. If the jet stream goes down, we get the cold weather from Canada. So in Minnesota, we can have a, a swing of 30 or 40 degrees overnight, which is literally yeah. the difference between air conditioning and now we're heating. <laughs> so we were always watching the weather. Sure. Um, and then the last thing is we would ask if anybody had any pressing issues that applied to the whole group. The rule right. was if it applied to everyone, we'd talk about it. But if it was, you know, maybe I needed something with bookkeeping, well, that would be me and the admin manager. That wouldn't okay. be appropriate for the for the daily huddle. And then right. we always close. Somebody was in charge of closing with either a funny joke or an inspirational quote or something like that. So that was the daily huddle. And That's then great. once a week we took that and we expanded on it. So the um once a week for an hour uh, was in addition to that stuff, we looked at any upcoming events. Uh, we looked at any managers who had time off coming up, you know, hey, how does this affect training? The staff know who to report to. Um, a, a big topic was if dispatch is having an issue with a tech or maybe the board's slow, you know, who does who does that person go to? Yeah. Um, we talked about any new processes or procedures. And then we would basically do a round table and each department would update what's going good, what's a struggle, what's your focus this for this upcoming week. Um, so that's how that differed a little bit from the daily huddles. Great, fantastic. What's that, Lynn? I said it sounds very similar to the way that we run, we structure ours. That's wonderful. That's great. Well, you guys both had have and had a, a great, great company, so no surprise there. Uh, I, I'm amazed that we're already it's it, it's 45 past the hour, so we're going to chug along here. Uh, Lynn, what uh, compensation? Huge topic as people are, are looking to add managers. How do I pay them? What? How are your managers typically compensated? Is it a, a you know a salary plus some kind of incentive based on gross margin or or, or what do you what do you typically do? I know you've got a, a bunch of people, but in, if you can talk in generalities. So on the operations side, it is exactly that. We do a base pay, um, and then they have a, a monthly incentive bonus, and it is based off of their gross margin. Um, it's monthly it's, though. Right? I'm sorry. It's monthly though, so it, it based. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. So they we have a you know a set date that it's paid after financials are are in. And then um, it's a sliding scale up to 2% of their uh, departmental revenue um, based off of the gross margin. So if, you know, it, it might be a, a half a percentage of that, if it's, you know, lower than, you know, in the 50s, um, we aim for a 60% gross margin. And um, so they can earn up to 2% um, if, you know, on that sliding scale. Um, and so that's one of the things we'll talk about in our departmental meetings as well, because we'll go over gross margins and talk about you know, maybe why they look the way that they do and how to fix them if they're not looking right. right. Um, because we do have my, um, the way our licensing is with the three of um, the three trades, um, we do have two of our managers that hold our license. So they also have a license fee that they're paid on a weekly basis as well. Okay. Yeah. And for our entire team also um, has a incentive bonus. We call it TRIP. T-R-I-P, it's an acronym for Team Revenue Incentive Program. And so um, we set our monthly goals each month. And if we hit our goal each month, then everybody in the company receives a bonus. If we um, miss our goal, but are still at year to date, um, yeah. then $100. Or if we make up for it the next month, you know, if we're down, um, if, but we can make up for it in upcoming months, then we'll back pay $100 uh, for the months that they've made up. And then at the end of the year, they uh, receive, we had our annual goal, everybody receives an annual incentive as well. So 
Um, keeps everybody, so even accounting gets that, customer service, the warehouse team, it keeps everybody kind of eye on the prize and we send out a, a, a daily email so everybody knows where we're tracking for that and That's what great. we can do to, um, you know, what our averages need to be that day to uh, make those numbers. I love that. That's great. Good good insight there. Thank you, Lynn. Um, Mickey, how, how about what did you guys do for, for managers? What, what was their compensation? Was it, again, some kind of gross margin type of bonus? Uh, please share. Yeah, you know, there are there are so many ways to skin a cat in, in this situation. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the companies I was with is all the managers were bonused off of net profit. And, okay. um, you know, the company had to hit X before manager bonuses were paid out. And the, the general manager who would oversee really all the company overhead and had control over, um, you know, insurance and cell phone bills and that kind of stuff, right. uh, they would have a, a larger bonus um as opposed to the uh, maybe like the middle managers who were controlling kind of gross margin um labor parts that kind of a thing and it would basically go you know if if the goal for the company was 15 percent net profit they would get a bonus on everything between 15 and 16 percent and then okay. if they were 17 percent, they would get a bonus a bigger bonus <laughs> of everything between 15 and 17, and then a bigger bonus of everything between 15 and 18. So the incentive yeah. was there for everyone to always have their eye on costs and overall company profitability. Yeah. Um, other ones I've I've seen and, and that I've been under that I've really liked is really um, taking those managers and bonusing them on what they can control. Uh, right. Part of the issue, like let's say a service manager and bonusing them on net profit, we absolutely want them to be watching um, costs everywhere they can. However, sure. what they have direct control over is their employees. How much overtime is there? Are they well-trained? How many callbacks are we having? That kind of a thing. Yeah. And so what they would do is, or what, you know, what I would do is they would have a base um, income. And, you know, as an example, let's say uh, they're, they wanted a hundred thousand dollars. Well, their base would maybe be 40,000, but 20% mm -hmm was based off a of gross margin, which could get them up to 60,000. And then another 20% was based off of them achieving their individual goals. Well, that gets them off to 80,000. And yep. then the last 20% is based off of the department hitting their KPIs. Are they hitting their average tickets? Are they hitting their closing rates? And that's how they get up to 100,000. So that's another um, model I've seen. Other ones I've seen a higher base pay of like, to use that same example, maybe the base is 80,000, but they get a 0.1% bonus of uh, anything over 50% gross. And I would say that to all bonuses were always based on, similar to my other example of net profitability, you have to hit this gross. Like if you're not hitting this gross, you're, you're not doing your job. Um, right. But then we're gonna bonus you for everything over that. Over yeah, that very good, very good. Thank you, Mickey. And the other thing I'll, I would say too right. is, oh, sorry, monthly. I agree with Lynn, monthly is by far the best. Yes. Weekly gets to be an administrative nightmare. <laughs> and yearly, it's just too far down until you get yeah. to like October and November. So right, I'm, right. I'm with Lynn on that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. No, I like that because, you know, if you do have a rough month and, you know, it's a quarterly goal, no, you know, no, you don't have to deal with people giving up. You got a new start just a couple of weeks away. Um, Lynn, question you, you know, when you're having these meetings with your technician or with, excuse me, with your management team and certain KPIs, boy, they just seem to be constantly struggling with something. I don't, maybe, hopefully you don't have to deal with this, but and there's, I'm sure there's always issues. People are people. What do you, what do you do with a manager that just seems to be hitting a rough, a rough patch, right? You see it in the, the management meetings. You just see it in, in just conversing with them. You can tell maybe something's going on in their personal life. Um, you know, how do you, how do you address that situation? 
you know, just kind of, first of all, just finding out what's going on. So, uh, you know, this happened, this is, happened here recently and it's just yeah. you can tell something's bothering them you can tell that they're just off that they're not um they're just not it themselves and so you know finding a good time i think timing's everything um so you know sometimes it's not just diving into it that day sometimes it's just watching and observing and then finding the right time timing to have a, a good conversation just a, a very gentle like hey i noticed that something's off um how are you and yeah it's just that to, to kind of get them talking and then finding out what it is is it something personal is it something business what can we do to support them if it's if it's personal um and then if it's business you know what what those challenges are and then depending on the um the business portion of it depending on what the you know what may be going on um it may be that they're they're having challenges with their technicians. So it's it's finding out what we need to do to support them. It might lead into often meetings where we're focused on something, we're having check-ins, um, might involve other people in the company. So yep. we've had some uh, challenges with um, some KPIs and some different things, but we've, it may be, um, may be involving other departments to kind of get involved. So we're, we're talking through it. And then utilizing the skill set again we have a, a skill set of our leadership team that complements each other so sometimes it's not just me and sometimes it's yeah. budding up with somebody so we really just look at the the individual situation and kind of dive in but a lot of times it's just opening up and having that conversation finding out what it is yeah. and then sometimes those specialized meetings to dig deeper that's great mickey was that kind of your same same situation. It's just talking to someone, uh, pull them aside, and, and figure out what's really going on. Just put a private conversation. Yeah, you know, it's it's very personalized, right? So if it's a new manager, you know, 90 days, six months, obviously they're onboarding. They're getting a ton of new stuff thrown at them. Yeah. Um, but as we get further along, if we continue to have issues, maybe unfortunately I put the wrong person in that spot. Yeah. Um, but let's you know, let's say it's a manager who's been with me for a while. They're traditionally a good performer. And yeah, I see they start to struggle in areas. It's exactly as Lynn said. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to talk to them. Um, you know, with my managers, we would have weekly one-on-ones as well. So I had a pretty good relationship with my management team um, where I could find out what was going on. And, and sometimes it was personal. Sometimes it was that they needed training in an area. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I would find that maybe they were struggling because they needed to be motivated differently. You know, when they first became a manager five years ago, they were motivated by money. Well, they're comfortable now and they're still motivated by money, but what's more important to them now is family time. So right. now I change how I'm motivating them to, hey, if your department hits this goal this month, um, I'm gonna send your family to Wisconsin Dells, which is a couple hours away from us. Yeah. Um, you know, just different things like that. So, that's great. Um, but yeah, that's all you can do is really figure it. out on and again set the expectations and just continue to follow up on those that's wonderful all right we uh we've just gone through a ton of time i always am shocked by it i'm going to go to some of the questions here um and uh ladies just feel free to, to chime in with whomever uh has something to share the first question is from uh, our friends from brent from sirius plumbing and air conditioning uh brent asked what kpis slash reports do you use to set the goals for your managers so um lynn you, you want to take that what what kpis slash reports do you use to set the goals for your managers well as i mentioned before you know gross margin is is number one so we're looking at you know labor we're looking at materials they're controlling those things making sure we're priced right so right. that's um first and foremost and then 
um, diving into, we've got a report that goes out um, weekly or twice a week, and it is, you know, average ticket. So we're looking at their average ticket, their sales. Um, we got to look at their callbacks. Um, and also, like I mentioned before, um, a closing rate and then uh, their dollar per hour average. As I mentioned before, that's a KPI that we look at. And so we, um, we really pay attention to that. So our report, um, if we put too much on it, it gets, um, you're just overwhelmed and you really can't focus in on any one thing. So right. trying to get to just a handful of things is super important, um, I think, instead of, um, you know, and then if you need to dive deeper into certain areas, then you can do that. But those are the things right. that we Wonderful. Mickey, kind of the same question to you. What what KPIs have you guys really honed in on uh, with your managers? You know what, Linson. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for my managers, again, if they controlled gross margin, so for example, my bookkeeper wouldn't make sense to, to bonus them on, on gross margin, right? But like sure. my service managers, gross margin, average ticket, closing rate in the field, and for HVAC, uh, lead turnovers. And then okay. on the customer service side, it was uh, call center closing rates and then service call numbers to budget. So again, if we need 50 calls, do we have 50 calls? There you go. Very good. Um, let's see. Next question was, do you do each of you have a daily huddle agendas? If so, could you share it? Mickey and Lynn listed a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know, Mickey, you want to, or Lynn, you go ahead. I was just going to say, because Mickey did a better job explaining kind of what her hers looked like. And we open up with our customer service, um, the call goal, right? So we're, we're looking at, are we meeting the call goal for the next couple of days? Are we overbooked? Are we underbooked in each department? Again, weather in Denver here impacts us as well. So we may be, you know, today we might be 100 degrees and, you know, September, let's say, and then we've been two weeks or a week, we're looking, we know that the weather's going to change or we've got a snowstorm coming in or something. So that'll, you know, definitely impact our call counts and, and things. Um, so that's one thing, personnel updates um, in each department, time off in each department. So they're going over that if somebody has to leave early. Um, from there, we go into our marketing. So we're looking at our marketing manager. So what are we doing? If we're short on calls, where are we making adjustments? Are we you know, outbounding? Are we doing some auto dials for members? Adjusting our PPC so everybody's kind of on the page with that. Our warehouse guy um, will get updates on jobs. So the stage jobs, we have any material issues, um, you know, communicating that. Um, and then each of the departmental managers talk about, you know, any job stuff, personnel things, time off. Um, accounting talks about DMER and any kind of KPIs. Culture, yeah. we do the birthdays and all the hires exactly like Mickey said. And then I cool. kind of wrap up the meeting with um, some just various, you know, just depending on what the topic is, I'll have some various little announcements or conversations to have. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Mickey, and you pretty outlined, I think you outlined your pretty well. I don't know. Do you have anything to add about what your huddles looked like back in the day? Um, you know, I think one of the things, let me see if this works. We're going to try to do something crazy uh -oh. because why wouldn't we? Watch out. <laughs> Let's see what happens here. Um, can you guys see my screen by chance I, or not? I saw it. It just was really small, at least for, my, okay. for me. Well, I thought I'd just pull it up and see if it works. But this, I have a printout of like what our huddle look like. So for anyone that wants it, we will figure out how to get it to you. <laughs> yeah. mstone at yoursgi.com. That's one way. Yeah. <laughs> email me and I will email it back. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Um, all right. Another question. Uh, this, I think this is an interesting one. For Lynn, I have considered hiring a recruiter. However, with the severe lack of available talent, this seems like a waste. Has recruiter been able to find candidates lately? 
The answer is yes, um, because she's not sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. She's actually going out and, and being proactive. Um, so again, with her background um, and in different areas, we, we treat marketing like or recruiting like we do marketing. So everywhere that you market, we also, we're just marketing for employees instead of customers. And so we're doing direct mail. She's, um, we're doing direct mail. We're um, sourcing on the different sites, posting the different ads. We've got radio going, we've, we're managing our website. And you know, she's got Craigslist and Facebook and social media and all those things. And then she's out there sourcing and, and she'll even do events and different things like that. So um, there's a, there, we're, we're, she's definitely has enough to do and, and finding candidates. Um, it was not a waste. When you look for us, um, it wasn't because when you look at how much revenue, one year we, we uh, were short on revenue, not for lack of work, but for lack of people. And for what we were short revenue that year due to the lack of trucks on the road, and you compare that to the wage you're gonna pay somebody, it was a no-brainer. It was absolutely a no-brainer to bring somebody in and the return on the investment there. So, and again, she has more duties than just recruiting because she's all things culture. So she's, uh, we actually implemented an incentive plan for her a bonus where she's bonused over a year for a candidate that not only she brings on, but that stays with us. So it's good oh, for her. And that, they, that she's doing all the things, reaching out and doing those things to make sure that they're happy and staying with us, um, you know, for the long term. I'm sure you have, knowing you, you probably have what a, a good, solid job description that you've carved out for this individual. And, and ha how did you put that together? Did you just talk to other members and, and just cobble something together? I believe it started that way and then it's yeah. evolved. Um, you know, I think we had another member that had a position um, and, you know, kind of what our needs were. Um, so we, we, and I'm a big checklist person, so processes, <laughs> procedures. So her process and procedure and checklists are very well documented. Um, what her daily tasks are going to be and she's a rock star on top of that So she's even taken it and documented and taken it to a whole other level that we started cool. that. I love that uh, Last comment it was more last question was really is really a comment trip. I love it. That's a great takeaway. So very good. Thank you, Lynn um, I have one final question. I just like to, to finish up um, Lynn what, what are this kind of maybe the hardest one too? What are some of the hardest lessons you've learned in, in managing managers over the years and something that you would you know, you wish someone would have told you and you'd love to tell somebody else. You know, I think that um, probably that not every, uh, Mickey had mentioned it, just because you're a top performer, not everybody is made out for the uh, leadership role. So I think we've, right. we've made the mistake of putting the wrong people either in, in some sort of leadership role, and not necessarily just operations, but, you know, take our, you know, when we first had a, a call center manager, you know, we took our best dispatcher and they, she became our call center manager. We lost her shortly after. So really vetting out, you know, some of those things of, of again, what makes them good for the role? What is the role? What are the, what are the requirements for the role? Um, you know, are they a good fit in several different categories and ways? And do they fit in with the leadership team? I think that's one of the biggest mistakes and something I wish we would have um, changed or did differently in the beginning. Did uh, did you offer that that job to the dispatcher, or did uh, did she apply for it? Um, this is probably 15 years ago for this right. particular one that I'm mentioning. Sure. Um, and she, we we went, we approached her with it. We knew we needed to start, you know, developing that role. Now sure. we're more sophisticated. We internally uh, post the position and externally post the right. position. We have a process that we put in place. We go through it um, very detailed, and, and we're more aware of those things. Not saying we still yeah. have mistakes but we're, we, we do better than like 15 years ago we were a little less sure sure what 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 happens though if you have an a player 
you know, really high performing person apply for a management position and you guys all go, look, I just don't see it. Um, how do you have that, that conversation? How, you know, how do you make sure that you hopefully don't lose, lose them in the position that they are in and, and excel at? And that's a conversation during the interview. You know, if you don't get this role, what what does the future look like here for you at you know at Brothers? And um, just kind of finding out what's in their head. Many of them, um, I don't think we've lost anybody due to that reason. Um, but some of it's just kind of sharing with them the requirements of the position and, and explaining you know what's good, but where they need to do some improvement in order for us to have chosen them. Yeah. Um, that's I think huge and then for them to understand you know that we've made the, a different choice and why that person was selected um, yeah. I think that's super helpful when they you know they they have an understanding and sometimes they come to their own conclusion that they weren't a good fit and the other applicant was a better fit so kind of crafting that conversation accordingly so you kind of help them get to the same conclusion we got to that's great you address it though you don't just let it go you know don't you, you don't just not not talk about it that's great yeah we, we cannot just talk about it because that's a <laughs> forever then right right very good all right thank you lynn very very much uh mickey same qu question to you just kind of wrapping up what are you know what's some of the hardest lessons you learned in managing managers and and something you wish someone you would have someone that had told you along the way to make life a little easier well definitely as uh lynn mentioned that just a, a good leader does not make a good manager um but besides that uh that you have that you have to manage your managers. Um, I had this idea <laughs> that if I hired someone, particularly externally, you know, again, we're, we're learning, um, right. that will be we're a manager at XYZ, then surely they can be a good manager here. <laughs> That's not right. the case. So <laughs> I would say that would be the second uh, most important thing is you do have to manage your managers. You need to send them through onboarding just like a regular employee. Um, they need to be introduced to the company, you need to make sure they know everything that you want them to know. Um, basically, don't just assume they're going to be able to go on autopilot. Right. Very good. Well, wonderful. Well, ladies, thank you so very, very much for your time. This was a wonderful conversation. I'm always happy when I get to see both of you. So that, that was a cherry on the top. So thank you thank for you. all your time, your your insight, and uh, just can't thank you enough. For those of you watching, thank you for, for spending a, a little more than an hour with us. Uh, this was all recorded. It should be on the hub within a day or two. And then uh, we also have been sharing it uh, through our Success Group International YouTube page probably about a month or so uh, later. So uh, you know, if you're a person that likes to consume stuff while on the go, maybe in the car, you can, you can listen to it on YouTube or also our podcast player. So look for it there. So uh, with that, thank you, everyone. And I look forward to seeing you next month. Have a great day. That's Lynn Tomasek of Brothers Plumbing, Heating, and Electric in Denver, Colorado, and Mickey Stone with SGI on how to effectively manage your manager. Thanks for joining us. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, please email me at bhouchin at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, if you're on YouTube, give us a like and subscribe. If you're on your favorite podcast player, leave us a five-star review. And please join us for future episodes. My promise to you that we will continue to interview successful contractors and other influential individuals in the residential contracting world. This is The Successful Contractor, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Ream. Brothers Richard and Donald Ream founded Ream Manufacturing Company in Emeryville, California in 1925. The company has produced a number of cutting-edge products since 89 years of operation. Today, Ream is North America's only manufacturer of HVAC, 
water heating, pool and spa heating, and commercial refrigeration solutions. For more information, go to ream.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager to help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com.